2: folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. The University of South Carolina has claimed the Palmetto Cup title this year by beating Clemson in a bunch of sports nobody cares about. Apparently, Death Valley's lemonade is not fresh squeezed, but Clemson's really good at football, so who cares about any of that? Ben, Cody, and Sam here with you today to talk a little bit about Clemson football. Uh, The ongoing recruiting were coming on the heels of the Clemson spring game. Cody and Tully gave you guys a good podcast, their instant reactions that came out last week. We'll touch on that a little bit today, but more so focused on the big recruiting weekend that Clemson had as a result of that spring game. Then also we'll get into some baseball here at the end. Uh, The baseball team struggling as of late, but looking pretty good right now against Wake Forest. Looks like they may sweep a series this weekend. But first, Cody, let's throw it over to you. You have gone more in-depth into this uh, spring game than Sam or I have. Sam was out of the country in Eastern Europe. I was practically in Eastern Europe, otherwise known as Kansas. So what were your big takeaways uh, having a week afterwards to digest it a little bit further.
1: Well, for first for me, and then for what from what I listened to from like listening to some of the local Clemson radio, I realize realized it's like twenty four seven nonstop quarterback battle discussion, and I think the biggest takeaway a week having a week to digest everything is not only was Trevor Lawrence that good and as advertised. Um, I think there's pretty much a consensus now that he will be the starting quarterback I mean it's not like there's there was a debate going in and everyone thought that even some said it wasn't a quarterback battle going in but now that it's not it's completely the script has been flipped it's now Trevor Lawrence is to lose and that's again that's just the public opinion public perception right now but I think it's I think it's interesting that we've come this far in a week Uh, what were your guys takeaways from the game particularly the quarterback battle
2: well, first I have to say this for Kelly Bryant. The spring games have historically not been his best showing. I think a couple of years ago there were some issues, a pretty windy day, so he had some issues with that. Last year he had the finger injury, and this year he just got shown up by better talent, to be honest with you. Um, you could take any four quarterbacks that Clemson has on this roster and win a lot of games next year, You know, primarily because the schedule is that week, but also because there's a lot of other talent on the field and the defense is going to be so good. But I think out of the four, from what I've seen, and listen, we've seen Kelly Bryant for a year, and the big thing that he couldn't do was a big reason why uh, we ended up losing to Alabama, and that's throwing the football. You know, yes, he has the intangibles of being able to use his legs to run, and that doesn't Uh, come through in the spring game as well because they're pretty conservative with calling quarterbacks down when somebody gets close to them, but I'm sorry, you know, Trevor Lawrence can run too, Hunter Johnson can run too, but they can whip the ball, and I think that's the big difference.
0: Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway is something you just touched on, Ben, It's that all four of these guys are really talented. We saw less of it from Kelly, obviously, in the spring game, but he's proven last year he took us to, you know, the final four, we made the playoff, and had a close game against Alabama that didn't, you know, end up losing. Uh, And to your point, it was because he couldn't make those passes. Uh, But he's still an extremely good college quarterback. But the fact that he's got three guys nipping at his heels and potentially passing him in the depth chart, it just speaks to the level of talent on the squad. And and these guys are incredibly good and we're in a really good place at quarterback. And, And
2: let me just throw this in there first, like, much respect to what Kelly Bryant did last year because he did have an amazing season and he took us to a third straight college football playoff. So you do have to say that for him. This is not bashing on Kelly Bryant. This is just speaking up the level of talent of the other guys on the team. Listen, you don't bring in the the top-ranked quarterbacks two
1: years in a row and don't expect for them to come in and battle for the starting job. And one of them, being Trevor Lawrence, is a generational talent. And we saw it on display. And I don't think that, yes, yeah, there is some spring game hype. And you, you want to say pump the brakes, but after a while, it's like, you know, if you saw Michael Jordan in a scrimmage, and I'm not, I mean, not comparing him to Michael Jordan, but you see greatness. Those things translate. The things that he did translate. Uh, the balls that he threw, the touch, the pocket awareness, pocket presence, his ability to check down, all those things that go well beyond his years. One um, of the things that I've noticed and kind of the, the, the average clemson fan is becoming smarter whether that's just access to more information uh, i think it's because they're listening to the podcast <laughs> well yeah uh, Shake don't laugh at that cody that's real <laughs> i know yeah um Shake of the southland is a, is a good place i think tiger illustrated does a good job but one of the things that i noticed is just people are they're smart about kind of schematics basic offensive uh, scheme and what a, a quarterback with a great arm does it Spreads you vertically, pushes those DBs out, makes those safeties. You have to you have to send more safety help. Makes the linebackers drop back into coverage more. Uh, Kelly Bryant doesn't have that ability. He doesn't have that. It's like a a pitcher. He does. You know, he has the fastball, but he can't mix his pitches. He has no off speed game. Um, Comparing that, like or it's like we'll say in basketball, Sam. It's the
0: Steph Curry approach.
1: Yeah, he he draws the the field. Exactly, exactly. So that's probably a better analogy. But
2: wasn't that 50-yard pass in the spring game his second, his first check down? That wasn't his first look. No, which one? The 50-yard the the pass to Higgins on the sideline.
1: Yeah, so his first read was, um, was up the middle. I can't remember who was running the kind of the seam route. But that was his, so hitting ticket Higgins on that, he looked away at the safety and then found, uh, found the one-on-one with uh, Higgins against Mark Fields. And, and, uh, and I'm and sorry. Fields, and Fields is going to lose that every time. Well, and I'm sorry. That's something Kelly Bryant is not going to do. Yeah, and not even to mention just the first play to Cannon Smith. That was his checkdown. Now a linebacker blew his coverage, but the fact that they were his checkdown had that much open field goes to show that just his ability means the this the field was was spread. And you look and by comparison, you look at what Kelly, when Kelly Bryant was on the field, everyone you know it looked like well, we're giving him easy passes. Well, he's doing all the same things as last year, and the linebackers were getting there a lot quicker. It's because they have no it's fear. Just, it's
0: far more packed in, right? They're not they're exactly. not as far away from their defenders and the whole
1: whole thing about him being able to run and taking that ability from him like for one he's not a great runner I don't know why that that narrative keeps you know he's keeps getting spread he's an okay runner he's a willing runner he's got the physical kind of stature to be able to take the hits um, of of an active running quarterback but he's not a great runner and not not to mention those holes those running lanes aren't aren't there because his arm doesn't you know give the defense enough fear to spread the the field like the Sean Watsons did Exactly, and that was why when he played against Alabama, if he could just move up in the pocket, he could see you know twenty yards of open field, open grass because those linebackers were spread, um, you know, fear of the downfield threat. Not with, not with Kelly Bryant, and like it, the running game wouldn't have been that much of a difference. His using his legs would not have helped him that much. Well, I think
2: you still do somewhat have to give him the bit of the doubt because he didn't look all that great coming out of last year's spring game, and he really went into fall camp and, and took that job. But we also didn't see a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence or even as well as Hunter Johnson played in last year's spring game as we did this year. So I really have to ask this question. You know, Even last year, we were saying, OK, yes, Kelly Bryant is the best man for the job right now in the 2017 season. Uh, but he's not an NFL quarterback. In no way, shape or form is Kelly Bryant an NFL quarterback. So now, fast forward to 2018 coming out of the spring game, you're going into the offseason having seen that. Do you think there's a conversation that these coaches sit down and have with Kelly Bryant? Be I mean, like, listen, you still have every opportunity to become the quarterback for Clemson in 2018, but there's a chance you could lose out on that, and you're probably not an NFL quarterback. Is there some other position you're interested in
1: playing? Well, think about it like this. For Clemson, well, look at him and his skill set. Where is he going to be most valuable to Clemson? And it's not a wide receiver. I don't know if you saw the recruiting rankings or wide receiver view, but he's simply – he hasn't been playing that position his whole career. You can't think he's going to transition over and be better than our top six or top seven wide receivers. Frankly, he's going to be—he's going to be probably the worst one, um, with no wide receiver experience previously. Tight end, maybe you could make an argument there, but like, I mean, these are not like. Let's don't <laughs> let's don't discount Mylon Richard and these guys that have been playing tight end their whole lives at at, at a, you know the D one level. How's he going to transition there? I don't know that he has the size of a of a good tight end. Um, like, what other position could he play? So I think long term, if he's thinking about the NFL, look at Braxton Miller, look at Terrell Pryor. As Examples like they've made a career of, I guess, both at wide receiver.
0: Potentially, he could
1: think about that, but I just don't think, it, with one year left at Clemson, I think he's most valuable as a backup quarterback. I mean, he's got, I mean, if, if that's what we go to in case of an injury, that's not the worst scenario, you know. Do you think that's a situation that he would accept being a backup quarterback and not look to not play next season and transfer somewhere? I mean, that's tough to say. I can't read his mind. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what kind of like ego hit that would take. I mean, he seems to be a pretty humble guy but yeah, I mean probably he's probably not going to be happy about it maybe he departs maybe he doesn't but I don't think moving positions at this point with one year left of eligibility is, is the best move
2: well I will say the risk with if he does end up departing is that Clemson had two quarterbacks depart um, here after last season in Tucker Israel and Zarek Cooper so that would put Clemson down to three scholarship quarterbacks and you know most college teams carry five to six so granted they're three really good quarterbacks but you're only a couple injuries away from being in
0: trouble Yeah, I mean, we don't want to lose more depth there, I think. to Cody, to your point, if we go down to three and he doesn't succeed at whatever position he tries to transition to, then not only has he sort of wasted a year and hurt his prospects at making the league at any position, uh, but we also lose the depth and don't get much out of his scholarship, which he's a very good college football quarterback. You know, he's a very passable guy that got us where we needed to go last year. Oh, and, he'd start on a lot of other teams. He exactly. I mean, took
2: this team to the college football playoff.
0: Yep. So I think, Ben, I agree. I think sticking at quarterback makes a lot of sense for him um, for this year. And we just have to see how the, the battle plays out for, for the starting role.
2: Well, this is why the coaches get paid millions of dollars. Um, it's going to be on them to make this decision and figure out the situation. As fans, we get the, uh, you know, we have the luxury of sitting back and just being able to watch it unfold, knowing that the best out of the four guys on the roster that assumes his starting job um, for the, what, did we start with Furman next year, is going to be a dang good quarterback.
1: Yeah, and I think there's no, the way the coaches are playing this, I think they opened this spring saying that this is Kelly Kelly Bryant's job. He's the guy, you know, it's his to lose, at least. That was their, their framing early on. I think they've they've kind of they backtracked, they've they've second thought that uh, have some some you know, they they saw they saw Trevor Lawrence up to this point in the spring. They see Hunter Johnson's development. It's pretty clear there's two, at least two better quarterbacks, if not three, than Kelly Bryant. They give you a better chance to win and win against silly competition. So all they can do at this point I think is Say it's an open battle and that's what they and that's what Dabo said after the spring game.
2: Which is fine. You don't need to name a starter in the spring. You don't play until September.
1: Yeah, because I mean, like what would be the benefit of naming Trevor Lawrence right now? You know, like Hunter Johnson would probably have to put some serious consideration into, into departing. And then unlike you know what Jalen Hurts' dad, he said if Jalen Hurts were to transfer um because of, Tug of Lua then he would be the most uh wanted free agent ever. Like I don't I don't think I think Trevor Lawrence or Hunter Johnson had, should they depart. Uh, would would actually be more much more valued than uh, Jalen Hurts, but anyway, what would be the you know what would be the benefit of naming Trevor Lawrence or Hunter Johnson this early? None, uh, you know. Kelly Bryant might consider his options as well. I wouldn't blame any of them if they should they went should, should they decide to do that.
2: Well, somehow we've turned into what is a phenomenal situation for Clemson into something negative here. Um, so let's switch over to the bright side of things. Uh, T. Higgins, man, he looked at, he was a monster. He looked amazing. I will say this for Kelly Bryant. He wasn't able to throw to T. Higgins. Maybe that makes a difference, but Trevor yeah. Lawrence and Hunter Johnson did.
1: Yeah. Well, he was able to throw to him in 2017, and I didn't see a whole lot of uh, great downfield action. So I, 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 I wonder because Overton's not a bad receiver either, and he didn't get a whole lot of uh, targets and a whole lot of catches. Now T. Higgins is just a different dude. And He showed that he's the, he was the probably the highest rated, most talented, at least on film wide receiver I saw, uh, probably in the you know even more so than Sammy Watkins, different player than Sammy Watkins, but more talented. And I think he showed that, he put that on display. So I think the, the coaches have been trying to push him. So publicly you haven't heard as much, uh, you know, as much praise of T Higgins, but I think they, they're seeing something in him. And that's, uh, it, they're, they're getting what they, that what they thought they were going to get in the recruiting.
2: Well, and this is really the next, uh, it, next iteration of that, uh, nine position wide receiver star, uh, coming after Mike Williams. Deion Cain wasn't really able to bridge the gap as far as his production was concerned. Now, yes, some of that may have to do with Kelly Bryant and his inaccuracy in the passing game, but Deion Cain probably really not built for that nine possession. Uh, it didn't really seem like his best skill set going up in high-pointing balls and winning 90% of those 50-50 balls. We were really down to 50% last year. T Higgins is going to be that guy, it looks like, in addition to DeAndre Overton. He's a super talented guy that's going to continue to get better. Um, I think... This year, that nine position, especially if we have a quarterback who is accurately getting these guys the ball, it's going to be a breakout year for that that wide receiver group.
0: There's just so much weaponry that whatever quarterback wins the battle is going to have at their disposal. You've got T and DeAndre, and I mean, there's just long threats. You've got Hunter Renfro, Justin Ross middle, coming in, Justin Ross coming in. Like, there's guys at every level at receiver that can just get the job done. Not to mention – running backs that they have behind them um who are also super explosive in etn and, and choice and feaster there's it's just an embarrassment of riches for whoever wins that starting role
1: yeah and i, I think it starts you mentioned the cor- the running backs that 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 is another dynamic that makes you it makes allows you to be uh multi-dimensional so like you have a t higgins like you got i mean if he shows what he showed in the spring game you're gonna, you're gonna have to send safety help to his the boundary side every time. Like you cannot go man coverage with T Higgins. That's two guys. And if he runs a fade route, you gotta he he's gonna stretch his his defenders 40, 50 yards downfield. Well, now you got uh Etienne, who I would say, you know, nothing against Choice or Feaster. I just think he's a notch higher. I think I don't think you really fear Feaster out of the block or choice that much. They're not quite as explosive, but Etienne, you fear him out of the block if you do a play action with him. That's scary because if you if you miss your gap assignment, if you're late to get there, he's gone. Same with T. Higgins. Now you're doing it, but it all starts with a deep ball. If you can't stretch the defense downfield. None of those things will work. All right. So well, let's let's segue
2: off of T. Higgins real quick. And um, his sparring partner on the other side of the ball, um, on, on defense was something that we are a little bit concerned about. AJ Terrell did not look good at all.
0: Yeah. I you mentioned I was in Europe. Uh, So, I didn't have time to watch the entire game. I watched the first 10 or 15 minutes and I watched some highlights and I watched some key plays. My biggest takeaway was that all of the deep balls that T was catching were over AJ Terrell and he didn't look good. Um, So, is that because AJ is not ready to play? Is it because T is just so ridiculously talented and gigantic that, you know, and the quarterbacks are putting it in the right spot? Cody, do you think it's it's more a, a reflection of it's spring and he's not ready? Or if it is it just that he's so fantastic that he's yeah, gonna look he bad no ready matter last who's there. Year, he played meaningful minutes. He
1: absolutely it, did. In his time last year, he was really good. He's just he don't, don't forget AJ Terrell was a five-star athlete. Like if you watch Greg Maddox go to Barry Bonds back in the day, I think he, get, he gave he up a ton of home runs. Greg Maddox is still a Hall of Famer. Um AJ Terrell is is really good. If there's one weakness in his game and this was the same weakness as T. Higgins. It's just putting on weight and strength. And, like, when you get to that little – you're jostling with the, the defender or the offensive player. It's like you got to have a little bit of strength. And I think that's where he could stand to improve a little bit. But I have no concerns whatsoever. And, in fact, like his technique, his hips, it looks good. He's not – he's he's, he's he's mining his assignment. And, it, and it's just a matter of the the end result was T. Higgins is just six five. He can leap out of the gym, <laughs> out of the field and he's got this huge wingspan, and, and Terrell is 6'2". Well, I mean, that's a fair point, but we're also
2: going to be relying on Terrell to match up against guys like that on opposing teams.
1: What, what guys like that do you know in college football? Because I don't know any. Uh, I'm sure we'll see some in the playoff. We won't see any in the ACC. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Autumn Tate is the only guy for Florida State that's, like, similar, but he is not T. Higgins. But uh, yeah, I, I, So I'm not concerned. And then on the other side, you have Trayvon Mullen, who I think is a, is a stud, and we. Probably it's his last year with Clemson.
2: So what we're saying is T. Higgins is the best wide receiver in college football, so don't worry about A.J. Tarot.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's that could be, people would say that's Clemson homerism, or it's hyperbole, but I think he really is. Like, there's no talent. If we were talking
2: about offensive linemen or tight ends, maybe, but we're talking about wide receiver year here, like you. Like, legitimately, like, best wide receiver core in the country.
1: Yeah, someone called, compared him to um, A.J. Green, A.J. Green 2.0. Yeah. And, I mean, he's a freak. So, yeah, I wouldn't take too much into uh, the, the result of those 50-50 balls. I would look more at, like, was he there? Or was his, Did he have good form? You know, does, does his speed, does he have the requisite speed to keep up with a guy like Higgins? And he, he checks all those boxes.
2: Okay, so we don't have much else on the, the spring game, really, uh, other than what you guys have already read and what uh, uh,
1: Tully and uh, Cody spoke about last weekend. But, guys, any last closing thoughts here before we move on to recruiting? I have one, and I texted you this and i watched georgia's spring game i watched alabama's spring game tough to say with tua what he's going to be for alabama but i've i've examined their depth chart they're going to be a super supremely talented team just as they always are but not as talented like in terms of positional uh depth along the defensive line front 7 i would say it's probably the worst in the last 4 years for bama tua would be the the neutralizer he would be the the, the trump card not sure what he'll be georgia Brom's looking just like he did last year. They lost a lot of talent around the roster. I think this Clemson team is is got to be the favorite. And I know I'm, I'm never the homer, so I'm usually the guy that's on the other side of the coin. I think this is a national championship contender, probably a winner, ultimately.
2: Well, I mean, I don't think it's asinine to think that this is a playoff team for sure because we're going to be better than we were last year. The defense is going to be better than they were, and the offense should be better than they were. So there's only... Two steps to take that's winning the semifinal
1: game and then winning the national championship so it's not far-fetched and sam you were saying
0: trevor lawrence is now in the heisman projected yeah i mean if if we've if our second string quarterback currently on the depth chart is uh second in the running for the heisman at the beginning of the season we're in pretty good shape so i i'm totally on board uh certainly a playoff like you said ben um and I think it would be a disappointing season if we didn't at least make the championship game, given the level of talent that came back from last year and the guys we brought in. Who's first in the Heisman running, Lamar Jackson? I don't remember. I, didn't, I wasn't even paying attention because they're putting a <laughs> you guy. You've a lot who of hype, been, lot of <laughs> hype this year. It was a ridiculous list, clearly, because Trevor's not even been announced a starter yet. But yeah, he's
2: not played a down a yeah. snap of college football.
0: So and I, I did not a look at right a high school I didn't look.
2: Um, Okay, fair enough. Uh, That wraps up uh, the near future. Let's take a look uh, a bit into the more distant future and talk about recruiting. Okay, guys, let's talk about some other exciting news that came out of the spring game weekend for the Clemson Tigers. Um, The Tigers lock up six more recruits. They're now ranked number seven by rivals with 10 commits. Only a 3.4-star average, no five-stars, so we expect that's going to rise. Um, guys like uh, three-star linebacker Bryson Constantine, we expect to get bumped up to a four-star here soon, as well as wide receiver Frank Latson. He's a rival's four-star, but he's five-stars in other circles. Um, but, yeah, a good start to what is going to be one of the biggest classes that Dabo's had um, as the coach of Clemson Tigers. They're going to hit minimum 25, could be as high as 30, depending on some attrition. Um Good start. Again, star rating, maybe not as high as some people would expect out of Clemson, but there's a lot of time left, and guys are going to rise, and there's a lot of talent
1: out there, and Clemson's slow playing it right now. They're being very selective. Yeah, I think that's the that's the general strategy. They said they were going to be very selective uh, with a 25 to maybe even 30 at the high end. Um, that might be a little aggressive, but 28, 29, I mean, that's a lot of people. Uh, so it, it's... Ideal. I mean, I think you know historically with the smaller classes, they had more than half of the class in the fold by the start of the season. Um, with the thirty-person class, I mean, they're kind of aiming to that that fifteen-person target prior to prior to August, September, and I think that would be probably a good good target knowing you got so much, but uh, so many spots open. But like you said, been like slow playing some of the higher-profile guys. Maybe you take more safer bets, um, good character fits for the for the team, culture fits for the team. Um, maybe that's the the strategy at the gates. Well, yeah, we
2: talk, let's talk about the culture fit here real quick. Um, two things that really stood out to me. Uh, Bryson Constantine, just reading his story um, and about the adversity that he's gone through, getting to the point where he is, that was something that really stood out to me. And then also uh, Frank Ladson, he had a quote uh, when he committed saying that for the next three to four years I'm going to wear a jersey that represents everything that I am and aspire to be. I mean those are strong statements and really mature statements from high school kids and I'm just in awe of how much more and more we see that, how well spoken these guys are, just how smart and intelligent and good people off the field and it's shown there hasn't been a lot of trouble um, from Clemson football players in the past several years under Davo. Now you had the thing recently with uh, Jadar Johnson and um, Fuller. The, Fuller, CJ Fuller, but you know they're not on the team anymore, and we'll have to let that process go through. Um, but it's really been phenomenal just seeing the, the character of these guys. And I think you're right, Cody. That's something that the, the coaches are able to do, especially when you have a bigger class, they're really able to be selective when it comes to that.
1: And not looking at character just through the lens of do they do they get in trouble like with the law, you know, like I think it's 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 more than that. It's are you a good member of the community? Are you like look at Christian Wilkins, look at Cullen Farrell, look at these guys on this. like the
2: Christian Wilkins is a substitute teaching.
1: Right. Like they're, they're more, it's more like, like you're setting the bar low when you say, are they good character? Well, they didn't get arrested. Like, I mean, that's not what, exactly what you're saying. But I, I think it's it's much more than that. It's like, are, are you a good person? Like, will you aspire to do good things You know, off the field? And that, that goes beyond uh, football. Um, and I think the big thing is, a big part of it is, um, we can key in on the guys at the top of our board. And I don't want to say, like, be as arrogant or say we were swinging a big enough stick to be like, we're choosing those guys. But we kind of are. So now it's just a matter of like we've identified the targets. The top of our board, Frank Latson was our number one guy. Um, I, you know, we'll get down the list, but we're like, hey, here's the offer. And I mean, you can have it, but Dabo does not want de-commits. Like he does not want to play that game. So like you hear these guys talking about what commitment means. So he's telling them, don't commit. And you know he is. That's always been his mo. Oh. So when they're when they're ready, and it's it's become a very coveted thing to be on a uh, be a Clemson recruit at this point. It means a lot more than it did five, ten years ago.
0: So we talked last year about maybe having too many commits early and missing out on some of the big guys at the end of the recruiting cycle last year. Do you think that because we've got the bigger class this year that we'll have a chance to really pick and choose a little bit more and really identify the guys we want and make sure they know that they're coveted by Clemson and we'll get some of those really high-level five-star recruits that we might have missed out on previous seasons? Well, it's funny how the
1: like just the senior season and the development uh, that goes into that, and the evaluation um, that that'll go into that. Like, these guys pop up late, not just because like because for one they grow in their senior year, but also we haven't had a chance to properly evaluate them. A lot of the recruiting services haven't had a chance to properly evaluate them. So yeah, I think it it puts you in a good position to start with like in this baseline of talent, baseline of culture fits, but then start to see these guys matriculate up the boards and be like, oh, this guy's good. This is like Mario Goodrich. Trayvon Mullen from years past, like, get him late in the game. Isaiah Simmons. So, I, you know, I think it puts him in a good position. But you got it with a big enough class, you've got to have, you know, half your class in, in, in hand. Well, notice how those guys you mentioned
2: were secondary guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. actually very typical. You often see secondary guys still left on the board late in the game because a lot of times those guys are athletes.
1: Um, Kevon Wallace is a great example. He was an unheralded three-star
0: at yeah. Virginia. Still learning the skills in high school, right? But well, they're like quarterbacks, quarterback, but they don't project
2: <laughs> to a college quarterback, so they're transitioning, but they're athletes. A lot of them are just listed as athletes. And there's a handful of those that are always left at the end of the recruiting cycle, so you can stand to hang on, wait a little bit longer before uh, filling up your board with those guys. But that being said, this year in particular, Clemson hasn't taken a safety in the last two cycles, so that's a focus um, that's a strong focus of this recruiting uh, push for this year, two thousand for two thousand nineteen.
1: Yeah, I think like Sam, you're asking, you're you're kind of uh, you're learning more about recruiting, and you're just like, what I want to know is what are the positions of need, and uh, I think it's definitely safety and offensive line. We're doing great at safety, not so much with offensive line, but uh, and or I should say defensive backs as a whole, not just safety. Um, but I think yeah, we're hitting a grand slam. We've hit grand slams with. For one, uh, we just heard the news of Sheridan Jones, um, who is a top. Potentially, he's right out of the top 100 as, as a cornerback. Another guy with a, the long frame, you know, the six foot six foot plus height um, that we've been we've been really targeting, and, and he plays a physical brand of corner, which is something that
2: um, the coaches really um, they prioritize. Being able to go, especially well, like challenging clumps wide receivers in practice, right? So. You have that aspect of it, but you want those physical corners that can go up against big strong wide receivers. We talk about A.J. Terrell and his lack of physical ability shown in the spring game. You
1: know, that, that's yeah. something that they prioritize. Yeah, and I think Terrell will get there. But yeah, with with John, I mean, so with Jones, I think he's uh, about 175. His only and in quacking tiger at this, the only like kind of deficit to get to that door he needs to be is probably 10, 15 pounds. And how he carry that, carry that um, weight and how, what would that affect his speed. If he can maintain his speed, he is absolutely a top 100 player. When he's one right now, he might add another inch or two to kind of help when he fills out that frame. Right, yeah, when you, and when you already have that big frame, it's it's a lot easier to put on those 10 or 15 pounds. So that would be his only deficit, but another terrific prospect. Um, Landon Zanders, the, the safety mitt, uh the, right after the spring game, he's a little bit more of your, your safer prospect. I would compare him a little bit to Van Smith. He shows really good ball skills, really good leaping ability. He's disciplined. Yeah, and I, I think yeah he plays the safety position very instinctive. So I think like that gives him a little little touch up on it or a, a bump up on his speed because I don't think he, he has that elite speed. Um, I'll be interested. To, he's listed at six one. If he's six one, then great. Um, but I'll be interested to see if he really is that or if he's like six feet, maybe a little bit less. That matters. Um, and then his weight, he's also a guy's gonna put on have to put on 20 pounds. I think he's 185, maybe right now. 195, they got him listed as. Oh, really? Okay, so maybe just 10, 15 pounds. But yeah, the play safety and bendable system, that's another one when you're playing downhill. Um, you're forced to take on a lot of uh running backs head on. Um, so you gotta you gotta be able to like kind of withstand those rigors. Um he's he's a good prospect though. He's one of those kind of like Maybe not high ceiling, but maybe by year three, floor,
2: probably will take a red shirt. Maybe by year three or four, he starts to have an impact for the Tigers in the two deep.
1: Yeah, and and maybe for safety, it's the one position group. We're not hitting on a, like a bunch of five star players, but you're prioritizing instincts and and not giving up because with the nature of our defense, we're so aggressive and guys shooting their gaps it leaves a lot of just one-on-one coverage okay. in the, on the back end. Do and, and You really
2: ought to see a lot of five-star safeties. Usually in the secondary, the five-star guys are cornerbacks. They're more athletic guys that tend to have more
1: one-on-one matchups. That's a good point. So I think, yeah, I mean, like, I think with the with top 100 players, maybe you see a few safeties in there, but, you know, really you're kind of, it's more of a, you know, most of the middle, time
2: they're just listed as DBs and not, you don't see a lot of actually true safeties listed.
1: Yeah, it's true. And I think like even like Mario Goodrich and Kyler McMichael, you know, the two corners from this class, both could play safety. Some One of the two might have to play safety, but they want to play corner because that's in the NFL, that's where you're going to you know, command the largest amount of value and the, and the biggest paycheck. So I think that's where they want to start. Now, yeah, at 6'1", do they are they going to have the hips and the speed to, to stay there? I don't know. But you're right. So that's where they start. It, it does become a little bit tougher to find those high-valued safeties, high-ranked safeties.
2: Um, and, of course, you already have
1: four-star DB, again, Joseph Charleston on the board. He projects as a safety. Right. And, so he's, and he's another guy. Like He's a little bit higher upside. Another He plays safety in high school. Um, he'll be a terrific prospect. With all these guys that are going to take a year or two in Venable System probably to get acclimated, to understand the defense so they don't give up those big busts on the back end. But another probably low ceiling, maybe a little bit, uh, or low floor, high floor, excuse me, maybe a little bit higher ceiling than Xander's.
2: So so far we got ten on the board um, signed. We've got fifteen to twenty left to fill out in this class. How many more guys from the secondary do you expect us to take?
1: So we're at how many? We're at two. that's 10, the two. ten. commits uh, to get up to twenty-five. That's fifteen more. How many in the secondary? So that's two, with three in the secondary, three in the secondary, three in the secondary, and then um, yeah, with 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 Johns. So I think Andrew Booth is the other cornerback on our radar. We have one more spot at cornerback. Booth is he doesn't go to camps so he doesn't have the the you have to go to camps and get in front of these recruiting services and play that game feaster didn't do that in his senior year so he went from potentially a five-star out of the top 100 booth is in the top 50 and having not gone to camps but he's every bit of a five-star clemson's in the lead this guy is a he is a he's a game changer so i think he's the one lone like high value target and we put a lot of a lot of focus on him. Um and then after that I think we just have one more safety and like you said Sam I think you can kind of shoot for the stars because you have your two, you know, high ceiling or I'm sorry, high floor players. Uh, now just you know find the guy maybe the Isaiah Simmons that, that shoots up the recruiting rankings late. Um so let's keep it on the
2: defensive side here. I've already mentioned a few times that three-star linebacker Bryson Constantine. Um he's a guy out of Baton Rouge. Uh he's 6'2" 220. He's definitely going to need to add some size, but he's been moving up uh, the recruiting boards expect him to get his fourth star. Um, he won the linebacker's MVP of the rival uh, Rivals Camp Series. This guy has the frame to put on weight. He looks excellent in pass coverage. Um, he could start to fill that nickel sand position like DOD or Isaiah Simmons.
1: Yeah, I, I like him more as a middle or outside linebacker. I just think even though he's 220, you got to get about 235, 240, which I don't think he'll have any trouble with his frame. I think he's more that downhill, almost like Trey Lamar, maybe a little bit smaller than Trey Lamar type player. But yet you're right. Like he's already showing sh- like signs of being able to cover really well. What's interesting about his recruitment is they go into Clemson goes into Louisiana Baton Rouge and offers this guy before any of the major guys offer them. Um, LSU gets in late, Alabama gets in late. Uh, a couple of their schools um, get in late. Clemson's already. They've already. You know, they've already. They get in early. They make their their name. Um, he goes to a camp later on. And he, you know, he wins the the linebacker MVP. And it's like, okay, yeah, this guy's four stars. Um, great job by the staff, like the evaluation process that goes into it, and, and the way they've been finding these, we'll say three star under the radar players, particularly in Louisiana and LSU's right in their backyard. That's
2: huge. Yeah, and when you look across the board and see all the different places that Clemson's going into. Um, Now, it's no longer just Florida. They're going into Louisiana. They're going into Alabama and getting guys, um, pulling guys from Connecticut, North Carolina, and Virginia. You know, it's a very casting a wide net. And now you even hear us talking about Texas and even California guys that we're throwing out offers to. And, yeah, maybe it's not realistic for anything, those things to stick right now. But I just think getting your foot in the door is a huge part of it. And as the brand continues to grow in Clemson, you know, you make a fourth college football playoff in a
1: row people out West, Midwest out West are going to be looking your way. Exactly. And Clemson, like basically they don't, they don't, they don't spend a lot of their resources mining California, mining Texas. They know that's not a game they want to play. It's, it's a waste of resources in most cases, but it's, Hey, if you're interested, you make the first move, you come see us. And when a guy from California does that, it's like, okay, now we're, now we're going to recruit you. But like, that's the, that's the kind of stick that we hold now. Like it's a, you know, we don't, we're actually getting guys from all these different places, but we're having to put in less energy and effort to go to these places.
2: That's They're huge. Because you're not having to market yourself as much because the national media is doing that for you. Exactly. Do you exactly. think we get
0: to the point where we're matching teams like the Real USC or Notre Dame as far as clout within recruiting, where where players all around the country are reaching out well, to well, us? I, have
2: we already surpassed that?
1: Because what are those teams doing? No, uh,
0: well, I mean, from like 10 years ago, those sure. teams.
1: Um, it, it's similar but i think with right in our backyard if you're not if you're not mining georgia if that's not your number one priority with it being the hotbed that it is maybe like surpassing florida like it, it's becoming that big of a, a mecca particularly around the atlanta greater atlanta metro area like that's what we're that's what we're doing so like it won't ever necessarily gain it might gain the clout nationally i've heard some people compare it uh the usc a little bit back in the the 2000s the way that like the fun vibe the exciting vibe like it's got that brand like equity. We way. have a nap
0: room and a slide. <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah. I think we should focus on Pickens and Malden more. Pickens and Malden? Oh, I, I, I thought you meant like Zach Pickens. He's already. No, it's, a, it's a joke on South Carolina. They probably have guys from there. Well, wait, that's oh, the way that you can't the, recruit no, in no, state. No offense
2: if you live in those places. So who else we got? We love Sorry. everywhere in South Carolina. <laughs> um, so, well, let's talk about the state of Florida and switch it over to the offensive side. Uh, four-star wide receiver Frank Ladson. Again, like I mentioned, five-star in some circles. Wouldn't be surprised if he bumps up to a five-star. He's the nation's number eight wide receiver on rivals, 46, na- 46 nationally. Uh, Clemson swept in. Miami was thought to be the frontrunner. He's out of South Dade, right there in Miami's backyard. And lo and behold, he ends
1: up at Clemson wide that's, receiver. That's against. another huge one. I don't don't. Even though Miami's not what they once were, that's still he was in their backyard, and we took him.
2: And Mark Rick is their coach in there. They're they're on the upswing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They That's, made it all the way to the ACC championship game last year and
1: almost scored a point. The bus for Miami is as big as it's been. <laughs> Maybe that had something to do with it, the result in the ACC championship game. But yeah, no, I think for wide receivers, we're like that nine position is just becoming our bread and butter. Like we we're targeting these basketball players that there's a lot of guys that are six four, six five, but there's only a few that have like the athleticism to make the catches that like T. Higgins or Justin Ross can make and the yards after a catch that they they have the ability to to pick up so like with Latson I, I compare him a little bit to T. Higgins he's really skinny maybe even more like slightly than T.
0: Higgins but just a freak he's listed at 6'4 170 so that's, yeah, I, I that's pretty
1: 170 thin. at 5'10 so like yeah. he's going to have to get to 190 195 but just an, another like unbelievable athlete at 6'4, 6'5 like crazy ball skills lots of speed they're they're targeting the right guys. It excels
2: at high pointing the ball, which is you know something that Mike Williams could do, that DeAndre Hawkins can do, and that again, that's part of the coming down with ninety percent of those 50-50 balls. That's the skill set.
0: Something we didn't really have last year.
2: We didn't have it at all, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. not a strong suit for Dion.
1: Yeah, Dion Kane would have been probably riding the pond this year, but uh, yeah, we have it this year. And he'd he'd be at like the five, right? Two maybe. He's not going to play over 100 Renfro. He better. We're Mario Rogers. I'll write a letter to Jabba. (laughs) (laughs) Dear a strongly worded letter. So no, Latson's a great. Like I mean, don't don't pay attention to the rankings. I think he'll probably get the Clemson wide receiver bump. He'll probably be in the top thirty in short order. Uh, I I would just. I mean, I really think he is legit five star talent. And then he's the kind of guy that we want. He's the like in terms of skill set. He's the guy that we wanted.
2: So he joins a uh, three-star wide receiver, Brandon Spector. That's Baelin Specter's brother. Um, as the two wide receiver takes so far for Clemson. Uh, switching over to the running back position, that is an area of need. Uh, we pull in Lynn J. J. Dixon in this past recruiting class. He'll join the team in the summer. Uh, but then Clemson over the weekend gets a commit from Caesar Chez Malusi, a four-star running back out of Naples, Florida. They go in again into Florida. He's pretty much stolen right from Miami and Notre Dame, you know, two teams that were thought uh, to be front runners uh, for him. So another, again, another big pull. And you speak of those national teams with uh, national cloud and
1: history and all that stuff. Your Clemson quietly goes in and takes him. He's listed outside of the top 200, which, when you put that into context, uh, he's what we wanted. Like from his style of running with Lynn J. Dixon as a like, change of pace, almost scat back. You needed a guy that was more every every down uh, with potential to you know to be. I don't want to say like your bruiser back, but he, he does have a little bit of that with his size. Um, he's already pretty filled out. Um, he's six one, about two ten. Is that about right, guys? Six oh two oh five, close enough. Yeah, so he, he doesn't have a whole lot more weight or projection to go into his, his frame. He's, he's not like terribly like top end speed. He doesn't really have elite speed, but you don't necessarily need that and like skill set. You just want someone that's a little bit explosive out of the blocks. He has that. Well, they say is the ability to run falling forward shows great balance. Something Wayne Gallman had. Right, right. So, an efficient runner and uh, probably, obviously, I think I would say a little bit more talent, at least as a prospect than Wayne Gallman. Well, and another aspect of his game, he can actually, he's actually a threat to catch the ball out of the backfield, which Gallman really wasn't. Exactly. So I mean, I think top he's he'll probably fall within the top 200, when it's all said and done. But also, this isn't a great for two classes in a row now for running backs it hasn't been it hasn't great. been a great. Yeah, Zamir White was our lone target that was like an actual five star premium talent last cycle. He went to Georgia. Uh, you know, there wasn't a lot. It was kind of slim pickings after that. This year we're kind of in the same boat. So we have two takes for a running back. I, I wonder if we don't pocket the the next one for the for this the second or for the 2020 class crazy to say that number but uh, it might be the way to go
2: well you're going to be expecting a lot of Lynn J Diction and then Chez here uh, to come in and fill in you got to expect feaster maybe gone after this year adam choice definitely will be you get another year of uh, yeah. etn uh, but outside of that unless darian richard or Rencher continues to step up like there's no running backs left in the stable Good point. So, yeah, you might as well get that second one. Especially if you have 25 to 30 guys to deal with.
0: For the local schools that we're competing with on running backs, though, do you think that the wide receiver you with the top quarterback each of the last multiple classes, do you think that affects our ability to recruit guys who want to be that power running back who are going to be there I I don't think so because we're not a
2: big 12 team. It's just, you know, air raid offense, right? We're pretty
1: balanced. We try to spread the ball around. I will say that you're on to something there, Sam. Even though we spread the ball around – um or even though we're not a air raid, we are a spread offense. So a lot of running backs do put a premium and there are a lot of people in, in certain circles that will say go to the pro style offense because you're gonna get better blocking, more design runs that like will, yeah. will kind of you know
0: I mean, if really you're show a, your talent. If yeah. you're a top running back recruit and you're in Georgia or South Carolina, who would you rather go to? The University of Georgia or Clemson? You're gonna get more carries at Georgia and they have that bigger offensive line, different approach, right? Exactly, and I mean, that's been
1: Alabama's MO as well, you see, I mean, granted, these guys, like Georgia and Alabama, that's quite, quite the brand names, like, it's not. Absolutely. So, and particularly Georgia, well, actually, both of them are both running back you in their own right, so, yeah. um, even though Clemson is, is on to something, you just, we haven't been able to recruit, like, Zamir White was leaning towards Clemson, and then Georgia swept in. So they carry the like just like we carry the wide receiver weight. They carry. They've the got the clout effort. there. Well, yeah, yeah.
2: we'll just keep taking guys like Etn. They don't need blocks. He hit that line scrimmage before the ball snapped.
0: That seems like a good strategy, to right? me. I'm on board. Yeah, that works.
2: Um, okay, let's uh, keep it with the skill position players and go to our four star quarterback commit, Tyson. You Sure about that? I am pretty sure about that.
1: You practiced it it before
2: the. I did practice it. I found the phonetical spelling. Um, That'll be the only time I get that right, probably. I'm just just calling Ty. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Ty or Tyson. Yeah, that's what I was gonna do
2: actually. Ty Ty
0: who? No, sorry. Just Just Ty.
2: (laughs) Okay. All right. Clemson. Uh, the last guy from Connecticut they got worked out pretty well. And Christian Wilkins. Uh, this kid's a four star. Tiger Net would have you believe he's the best quarterback in the country. <laughs> that is not the case. He's, un- he's third, though. Um, but what Clemson has done now is they now have six straight quarterbacks from the Rivals 250 over the last five classes, which is pretty phenomenal.
1: It is. And he all right. So the other context with the quarterback group is this was another. This was a down year for the quarterback class. He was the, according to Tiger, the number one player in the in the country. Um, and I'm sorry, the number one quarterback in the country. However, he wasn't even top of our board. He wasn't number two on our board. He was number three on our quarterback board. And that's nothing. That's nothing against him. It's just the, it's the reality. Well, the fact that we have Trevor Lawrence for
2: three years and guys are still interested in coming. I mean, I'll take that, right?
0: Yeah, we've got Trevor Hunter, Bryce. Like these guys are here, and some of them will end up transferring after a season or two. But right. We've got a lot of talent on the roster already. So
1: you take a developmental prospect like this. I mean, ideally, that's what you want. And, uh, like, so Bo Nix was on our board. He went to Auburn. He's a legacy there. That makes sense. Uh, Sam Howell was the first of the dominoes to fall. Like, he was – I think he was number one or two on our board. He ends up going to Florida State. Like, he's not stupid. He wants to play early. He sees Trevor Trevor Lawrence. Uh, With Tyson, still a tremendous prospect. And I've heard comparisons to Kelly Bryant. I think – he already plays in a spread offense. He's already shows like more a little bit more arm talent, to use that word again. Uh, he shows a little bit more pocket awareness, a better ability to run. I think he has more upside than Kelly Bryant, but I, I, he's going to take a little bit more time to develop. Very very raw and plays against low-level competition in Connecticut.
2: He struggles with his accuracy at times, but he does throw the ball well on the run. Um, and also they compare him a lot to his shiftiness when he's running the open field to Deshaun
1: Watson in his first year. Yeah, I mean, that's a like, – He's not Deshaun Watson in terms of where he is, but no, like anytime
2: you can compare somebody to any one of their skill sets to Deshaun Watson, you'll take that.
1: Agreed, and I, I definitely see a lot more Deshaun Watson in his skill set than I do Kelly Bryant, and that's not to say that's what he'll be. But with the development that he'll need, you need a guy that comes in and say, says, "Hey, I'm, I'm okay to redshirt, you know, to take some time after Trevor Lawrence is doing his thing, and then by year three, I'll I'll be ready to compete."
2: Yeah, I don't think the, the comparisons to Kelly Bryant are accurate at all and or or are going to be brought up moving forward um in addition to his other skill sets uh his quick release and compact throwing motion is something that kelly bryant doesn't have which is a more deliberate throwing motion just doesn't get the ball out quick so um yeah i would look to some other quarterbacks in in clemson's their current roster or
1: in the the near past to compare him to right and i I think it says a lot too he knows that trevor lawrence and hunter johnson are, are in front of him Says a lot. He's he's coming in to compete, knowing that he's probably not going to win the job, but he knows he's got work to do. Like he can't be stupid. He plays against Connecticut competition. It's not Georgia or Florida competition. You know, it's closer to Kansas competition. What? So like he has to know like this is this is something I've got to work on. You know, I I'm I'm raw. I got to develop, and I've got a long way to go. And I'll need two years, two to three years.
2: Um, So the last two guys, these are guys that are previously signed. Got a three-star tight end and Jalen Lay. Um, I think that's probably a coach's evaluation you're going to see. He's only three-star right now, not heralded much in recruiting circles. But I think that's a guy that the coaches um, have really put a lot of stock into their instinct on on him. Um, Big Big guy. 6'6", 250
0: or 220.
2: Right. So, again, developmental maybe. But that's, you know, who's coming in to replace Jordan Leggett? After that, Clemson's been spoiled by tight ends in years previous. Kind of, you know, went on the downturn last year. Um, Mylon Richard this year. Hopefully, we
1: see some improvement. Garrett Williams comes back, which is going to be good. I know you didn't. Galloway. Yeah, I don't know. I know you didn't get to see all of the spring game, but Brandon Galloway. He, I think he is the real deal. At least from like a tight end receiving standpoint, he he is the real deal. They say he's further along than Leggett. Like, well, anyway. I think that's
2: another developmental prospect or like somebody that kind of came
1: in under the radar, right? Yeah. Was well, he a three star? Yeah, he was, and he was, in, you know, from Seneca, um, right in our backyard. So we, you know, we we knew a little bit more on him, but and he played quarterback in high school too. So you don't get a great uh, view in terms of scouting. But I think with tight end, you're generally always looking for developmental. Like it's hard to find that top one hundred tight end that's ready made out the out the box.
2: Um, okay, so before we go here, let's spend the last thirty minutes on two star kicker Aiden Swanson. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry. Um, you know, you know, I love signing kickers that are actually have stars uh, next to their name. Um, I, I think that's an area which Clemson has struggled at times. I think coming back this year, we look uh, really strong starting the last year with Greg Hugel. Alex Spence has improved. BT Potter's coming on at at some point in the in the summer. So, you know, it's good to to add these kickers because when you get into championship level football it becomes an important part of your team. You remember how spoiled Clemson was with the Chandler Cat, and Zero. Um, It's nice to have a guy you can run out
1: there that 90, 95% of the time is going to put the ball through the uprights. Yeah. Between him and BT Potter, it's, it's two good takes. I think there was some, you know, they, there was some number one ranking or the number one kicker. Uh, I've heard that you know the, the rankings are a little bit fuzzy with kickers because just the way that camps work. So you know maybe he's not the best kicker in the country. Who cares? We've offered two scholarships uh, to two good kickers two years in a row, and that's going to pay dividends.
2: Yeah, he just needs to be the top twenty-five kicker in the country. Like well, on a college football team, that is. We don't need him to be the best, as good as our offense is, but we want a solid kicker, better right. than last year, more dependable. Um, so anybody left we missing uh That's everybody. We've talked about them all. Um, so before we move on, who? I mean, there's a lot of guys that we still have our sights on and just way too many to go into. But I think the number one guy that uh, Clemson is looking at right now and um, my autocorrect has corrected his first name to Quavers. So I'm going to go with Crouch. Uh, overall number one on rivals out of Charlotte. He's an athlete. He's a running back right now probably projecting
1: more to a linebacker. What do we know about him? If you watch his tape, he looks he's a man among boys. Kovaris. Kovaris? Kovaris. he is an unbelievable athlete at running back. If you wanted to play a running back and I I don't Clemson's orienting, orienting him to, to linebacker, I think that's his ultimate upside. He's a little bit what's the word? He, he lacks the fluidity in his hips I think to be a high-end running back. He he could come to Clemson and still be a great, have a great running back career. If he goes to linebacker, he's going to learn the system and have a great, great future as a pro. Linebacker. Exactly. Where do
2: you want to be as a pro? And that's, I think, what these coaches probably tell a lot of kids. It's like, yeah. it's one thing to be the best you are at your position in college. Where does that translate when you go somewhere and make money and you make a life for yourself?
1: Exactly. He And he has to see that. But as a linebacker, he will be just an unbelievable, unbelievable player. And that's why I think he's drawn that number one ranking. uh I think a big part of it too is like physically he is ready. He doesn't, there's no development needed. He's unbelievable, can play downhill as a running back. You can just, you can kind of see that that comp where you're just able to, you know, go go north south and, and just play downhill, be physical. Um, unbelievable speed at the linebacker position. We'll probably be just fine in coverage. But I guess the trade off is as a running back, you're probably going to be viable in year one. As a linebacker, it's probably going to take. Year three before you're really ready. Even coming as a,
2: as a five star, we've seen that with Shaq Smith.
1: Exactly, yeah.
2: Um. So yeah, as Clemson continues to set its sights on the best player from each state across the country, I think we pulled in five to six last year. We got one so far on the board right now with Tyson, best player in Connecticut. Now we turn our sights down south um, into the hotbed of college football recruiting. So far, so good. Off to a good start for Clemson. A lot of more holes left to fill. So we'll be back, keep you updated on that as things uh, continue to evolve. You know, maybe not a lot of movement here over the next couple months, but then you have the all-in cookout in the summer, which you generally see a handful of guys commit after that. So stay tuned for that. Um, so that wraps it up for football. Uh, before we end the show here, I'll move it over to baseball and give you an update. Okay, Cody, see so you hang tight here. Try to be quiet. Sam and I will take it from here. Um, as we speak, Clemson is up 8-4 in the top of the eighth against Wake Forest, looking to sweep that series. So maybe a little bit a little bit of a bounce back for the boys here. It hasn't looked good as of late since the last time we checked in. Clemson was 5-5 five five over the last ten games. That includes the first two wins over Wake Forest. Um, did win the series against Notre Dame. Dropped a couple to Georgia. Lost a series to Miami with one loss in devastating fashion. Where Clemson uh, went into the ninth up eleven to three, Miami scored eight runs in the ninth and ultimately won that game in the twelfth. That game all on Monty Lee. He left. um, What was it? Bo Gobin in there too long. Should have brought in Riley Gilliam earlier. But you know what? To his credit, he took the blame for that. Um, But still, it's been one of the more disappointing stretches um, for Clemson baseball in Monty Lee's tenure, and I think it really all comes down to the hitting. And that's been a huge problem. Uh, the team is only batting 243 this year. Um, and it's not so much that these guys have forgot how to hit or they've made them worse, as coaching staff has under Monty Lee's tenure because their average rose from 273 to 282 last year. I think it's more of the guys that you've seen this team lose. They've lost guys like Reed Rollman, Chase Pender, and Andrew Cox from last year. You lost Chris Oakey the year before that. So it's just a matter of not developing the guys that are on the team right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we talked a lot about our worries with Seth Beer early on in the season, and he's come to be our best hitter from average, except for Cure Meredith in limited uh, outings. But when we don't have anybody hitting three hundred, and most of the guys are in the the 240, 250 range, it just it's not a recipe for success and and getting runs on the board. We've uh, we've got a lot of power on the team, which is great, and it's helping. Get some of those runs on the board. Um, both Seth Beer and Chris Williams have ten home runs coming into today's game against Wake. Um, but we just hitting for average and getting guys on base has been has been a real struggle.
2: Well, it's actually interesting. I was taking a look at Seth Beer's stats, and he has been on a pretty good tear lately. Um, he's batting .334 in his last fifteen games, with um, a handful of home runs and sixteen RBIs. But looking at his last 12 games in particular, no home runs, only four RBIs, a 310 average, so he's still hitting the ball in that span. But it's interesting that his power numbers have dropped a little bit. Um, Jordan Green, he was hitting well it there for a in while. He so hot. Yeah, yeah. He's cooled off a little bit, down to 242 before this game today. Now, of course, we know we're not going to update on these stats. Kyle, Wick- Kyle Wilkie, the catcher, has been a bright side lately. Um, he's batting 421 over his. Last five games. Um, and Kier Meredith, you mentioned him. He started off hot. He cooled down a little bit, but he's still hitting 375 over the last three games, not including today. He's still got a 296 average. I probably would have left him batting ninth a little bit longer and left Logan Davidson um, in the leadoff spot until Kier got a little bit more comfortable. But, you know, look today, Chris Williams, two for four. Grayson Bird, two for three. Kyle Wilkie, mentioned his name, two for four. Um, so, Guys have started hitting it in the Wake Forest series. Yeah, so. Wake,
0: Wake's been good. Um, but just on average so far this year, we're down, I think we're averaging 5.8 runs a game coming into today. Um, and over the last three seasons, we just, we've taken a, a step back each year, gone from 7.2 to 6.1 uh, last year, all the way down to 5.8 this year. Hopefully, the rest of the season, we can lift that back up and get into the 6, 7, maybe even 8 runs a game range. Um, but the good news is, our pitchers are keeping us in those games, even though we're only scoring about six runs a game. So it's not all negative.
2: Well, and so a lot of people are hoping that they see this time kind of team kind of break out of this slump. But I'm not so sure that's easy to do because maybe this is who they are. Um, they're striking out a ton. The average seven strikeouts a game over the last two years are up to eight and a half strikeouts a game this year. Um, you just have a lot of guys on the team that haven't improved. It's not like you had guys on this team that have hit well before no you have a lot of guys who haven't hit well at the d1 level and or a lot of uh, freshmen. you know Seth beer after his phenomenal first season, he's hit around 300 now the past couple years Chris Williams he's a 253 career hitting, hitter coming in Logan Davidson 286 last year, 248 this year so a bit of a drop off for him Cromwell. Two three hitter last year is at the two fifty five this year. So hell, that's, so that's improvement.
0: improvement. Yeah,
2: Drew Wharton, career one sixty two hitter. Now he's hitting two seventeen. So it's not that a lot of guys have forgot how to hit. A lot of them aren't good hitters. Yeah, uh, I mean, Williams we, has his power, but he's not a hitter for average.
0: No, and we we talked about beer, and like you said, he was three hundred the last uh, last season. Uh, his freshman year was obviously incredible, but. Maybe we just don't have a lot of guys on the roster who can can hit for average and for power. We have a couple guys that can do one, um, with Beer and and Williams, but we just don't have guys that can get on get on base and see the ball really well all the time.
2: Yeah, and this is a kind of a big turnaround from years past. You know, Clemson, we're used to at least having a pretty good average at the plate, and now we're gonna be relying on moving forward. You got to think Beer's gonna be gone after this year. Chris Williams might stick around just to work on his average a bit, and of course you'll have Davidson coming back, but you're looking to rely on guys like Matt Cooper, Drew Donathan, Justin Hawkins, and Sam Weatherly. You know, all young guys. Hawkins, the Juco transfer, is going to hit with a lot of power, but he's, you know, struggled with striking out, and that's why you haven't seen him play a lot lately. Um, So I'm kind of concerned, even after this year, moving forward with the the hitting talent on this team, and you got to wonder, you start looking at who's coaching the hitters and wondering if that's the issue and if Monty Lee's going to have to make a change.
0: Yeah, I mean, we came into the season and thought that the hitting was going to be a strong suit, right? We, we thought these guys would take a step forward and Beer and Williams and Wharton and, and Wilkie and everybody else would be crushing the ball. Uh, we thought having Kier Meredith come back was going to be a, a boon to a team that was already crushing it at the plate. And instead, he's one of the few guys keeping us afloat at the plate. Uh, so it's just, it's a different thing than, than what we expected coming into the year. Um, overall, for the season so far, our pitchers have been pretty good, um, but not maybe incredible. There's a three forty three ERA for the team as a whole. But
2: that's improved from a three five nine and a four four three the past two years. Yep. So you have seen Andrew C. You have seen improvement in the pitching.
0: Yeah. So the pitching is, like I said earlier, it's it's keeping us in the games. They're making sure that we have a chance to win these games, even if we're not scoring a million runs. Um, and we've got a couple of starters that are doing a really good job. They've been a little up and down, but uh, on a whole they're doing a really good job so far this year.
2: Yeah. What this team doesn't have is a dominant starter, but that's fine because for the most part, the starters have been consistent. And again, you look at that team ERA, it's lower than it has been the last couple of years. Uh, that being said, there have been a couple of guys who've struggled as of late. Uh, Jacob Hennessy. He's got a three, two, five ERA. He has the best ERA of the starters on the team. It's, He has a 7-2-4 ERA over his last three starts. Um, He's given up two home runs in his first seven starts of the year. He's given up three in his last three starts. So he's been struggling a little bit. He was averaging close to nine strikeouts per nine innings pitched over his first seven starts. That's down to two over those last three starts. So you're really starting to see him slip there. We talked about it at the beginning of the year. Could these young guys weather the long season, how are they going to hold up? Hennessy looks like a guy who may be starting to succumb to that a little bit.
0: Somebody who's kind of going the other way, though, is Brooks Crawford. Well,
2: he's just been, he's kind of maintained. Yeah, you know? He's a 3-5 guy, and
0: yeah, hes deal with that. He's had some, some longer starts his last few outings, um, going over, over five innings pitch, five and two-thirds over his last four games. Um, if we can get that the rest of the year. We'll take it. Absolutely.
2: He's been consistent, if nothing else. Um, Jake Higginbotham, He had a good day today. and he went five innings, no uh, earned runs. Uh, coming into the game, he was at a 3.80 ERA, but been 2.92 over his last two starts. He um, has been walking some guys. I uh, have to look at what he did today, but overall, he's been slowly improving. Spencer Strider, though. So going to the midweek starters, I was surprised that he didn't start. Um, our last midweek game against Georgia, they threw out Travis Moore. I know he got beat up a little bit in his first Georgia start, but if you throw that out of there, first off, his ERA is all the way down to 3.97. So he's under four, and this is a guy who's over six for a large part of the first part of the year. So if you throw out that Georgia game over his last six appearances, which is covers 21 and a third innings pitch, it's given up one run. That's a .42 ERA. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, with nine walks to 23 strikeouts. He's a guy, if he can avoid walking people, he's dominant. That is his only Achilles heel, really, is walking people. I don't know why he didn't get the start against Georgia. I think moving forward, he has to be your midweek starter. And if you see a guy like Hennessy continue to struggle, I think Strider's the guy that you need to turn to to plug him in to that Friday starter role. Maybe they shuffle up the rotation, put Brooks Crawford on uh, Friday, throw Strider on Saturday. But that's a possibility if if any one of these guys continue to struggle.
0: Yeah, I think that we've kind of jumped around with our midweek starter all season. And we're at a point in the year where the coaching staff needs to stick with somebody to let them get a rhythm for the rest of the season and, and have some confidence in themselves going into the postseason. And
2: it's nothing against Moore. I mean, he's been pitching well as well. He's got a two eight one ERA, over 30 innings pitched uh, this year. But I think Strider, he's just been consistent. And he got, he's the guy that has the highest upside uh, with the stuff that he brings to the table. Um, so, again, moving forward, we have two midweek games coming up this week versus Presbyterian and Kennesaw State. I think you definitely see Strider get one of those starts. Marman may get the other one. Um, see if he can bounce back. That's fine. But, again, moving forward with only uh, single midweek games for the rest of the year, I would definitely expect to see Strider, or I'd want to see Strider in that role, possibly moving to the weekend if needed. Um, Other guys out of the bullpen, Ryan Miller's been pretty solid all year. Um, He had three and two-thirds scoreless innings pitched against Wake the other night. Um, However, five appearances prior to that. He has a 640 ERA. Has been giving up uh, a lot of hits. I mean, that's been his problem. He has been walking guys. That hasn't been an issue, but guys have been starting to hit him. So he's struggled as of late. Carson Spears has continued to be solid. Uh, Riley Gilliam, you know, a lot of concern about him at the beginning of the year. He's down to a 104 ERA. He hasn't given up a run in his last nine appearances over tending. his pitched.
0: Yeah, he's been fantastic. He's already gotten one and a third today uh, against Wake. He's trying to close the game out right now for us. It's nine four, uh, bottom of the eighth. But he's got a 104 ERA for the season, and has just been on fire the last ten outings.
2: Yeah. So, again, we got a solid guy. They're at the back end of the bullpen, and for the most part, the long relievers have been good. The bullpen
0: as a whole has been really
2: strong. Yeah, and the starters have been solid. That's reflected in that ERA, which is very good for a college baseball team. So, um, And and remember, overall, there's a lot of first and second year guys getting a good bit of innings pitched. Aside from the guys we already mentioned, Holt Jones, Sam Weatherly, Owen Griffin, Matt Clark. Or Owen Griffith and Matt Clark, those are guys that are gaining valuable experience this year, and our pitching staff moving forward is going to be in really good shape in years to come.
0: Absolutely, and despite the struggles that we've focused on today for the most part, uh, we are second in the Atlantic right now, behind two games behind NC State. <clears throat> We're beating Wake uh, again today uh, to put us at 14-7 and seven if we hold on to win this game today, so... We're having a really solid season in the ACC so far this year and are setting ourselves up nicely for the postseason.
2: So, again, we think we have a sweep against Wake. We won't uh, say that for sure. Still
0: in still in <laughs> and, progress. Until the game's
2: over, especially after that Miami game on Friday the 13th. Um, we've got 16 games left after this Wake game in the regular season. So still very possible we'll get to the plus 43 wins if you include the ACC tournament and the regional that Clemson is assuredly going to play in. Now, whether or not they host, that's a different story, but sweeping the wake team this weekend is going to go a long way towards uh, helping ensure Clemson at least gets to host a regional, whether they're a top eight national seed. It's not looking likely likely at this point because they have slipped a little bit, but, uh, you know, it'd be good to see them bounce back, and certainly was to see that this weekend. So as I mentioned, Kennesaw State and Presbyterian this week. That's going to be followed up um, at Virginia in Charlottesville. They struggled a bit this year. the 8-12 in the ACC. Uh, no weekday game following that, so it might be good time for these guys to get rested up before they have a home series against FSU. Um, FSU is third in the ACC Atlantic right behind Clemson, so that will be a battle for that spot. It will be interesting to see. ACC doesn't seem too strong in baseball this year. You know, with the
0: not as strong as years past for sure.
2: When teams like Florida State and Miami and Virginia really aren't up there, um, and Clemson with their perceived struggles, at least from us, still being the third best team in the conference behind NC State and UNC, seems to be a bit of a down year for ACC baseball. But I'm sure, that'll be short lived. Um, so anything less than 6-2, and two, I would say, over this uh, next eight-game stretch uh, would be a disappointment. I think 7-1 and one is very realistic. Um, I think it all comes down to hitting. The pitching staff has been pretty solid for the most part. Let's see if the bats wake up. So that wraps it up for today, guys. Cody, you've been silent for a while. Anything else you'd like to throw in there?
1: No, just, I think we're going to win the national championship in football. But, uh, but I'm, I'm also excited about baseball. But he's oblivious to everything else.
0: Yeah, he's focused. Sure. We like, to, we like to say focus. You know, Not we're really good at is. basketball, too. Kevin. Does that make me less of a Clemson fan? Be honest. If I mean,
1: to me, yeah. I, mean, I do like basketball, but I mean, I just get the most excited about football. Yeah,
2: you also started for me at, like, you had, you had a long way to climb before I really expected it, so you're getting there. Sam's just shaking his head, nodding a guess. Sam, will we
1: make the College World Series in
0: baseball? Uh, no. Maybe. Well, maybe. No. If we hit like we have been, no. I'm saying
1: now. Second week or, um the what's it called the super regional super regional
0: that's a possibility again if we hit like we have been it's highly unlikely
2: no i just we don't have dominant pitchers which is a thing that i think you need when you start to play high level competition and with the amount of amount that this team strikes out the quantity in which they strike out
0: We'll, we'll need to manufacture runs against those dominant pitchers to get wins in, in those super regional we don't really matchups. Ma- we, we don't really manufacture runs. We don't runs. do that. Uh, we're not
2: good on the bases.
0: Guys, it's all about launch angle and OPS. Yeah, I mean, we, we're not good with the OPS. And set, the on-base part of that is You is heard it here first,
2: guys. Launch angle and OPS, that is the key to winning a baseball game. Um, all right, so we're going to leave you guys for today because we're not giving you anything of substance right now. Um... We've had a few beers. It's a beautiful day in San Francisco on a Sunday. We're going to go to the park, eat a really good Filipino burrito, and drink some more beer. Uh, Thank you all for sticking with us. We appreciate it, as always. Thanks for all the feedback, um, all the love that you give us on Facebook and Twitter and SoundCloud, all the iTunes comments. Uh, Please engage with us. Uh, We're really interested in doing a mailbag segment. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at clemsonpodcasts at gmail.com or you can use any of the other social media platforms that I previously mentioned. Um, moving forward, we're gonna to continue to follow baseball. Um, we will talk about any football recruiting news that comes up, but we're gonna kinda of hit a dead period uh, here in football and really all the major sports except for baseball. So that'll allow us to get into some other interesting topics, maybe more high level philosophical stuff surrounding college sports, college football in particular. So. Be on the lookout for that. Maybe we'll get a round table with all four of us and have our first four person show, including Whoa. Tully. Maybe without his son this time.
1: No, we got to have
2: his son. Is he our mascot? I think so. I, I mean, I, to be honest, I thought he had uh, added the, more, the most substance to that episode <laughs> that you guys did. I need I to. He's think, really good on the mic. Yeah, I, th- I think very he talented. and
0: Ollie, your dog, can fight out the mascot. Maybe we should just have a whole show with those two. Yeah,
2: that'll be great. Well, so we'll leave you guys with that. Um, Appreciate y'all for listening, and until next time, and as always, go Tigers.